So it's awesome to be here. Do you know, I just want to like open, I think we'll just start by praying. We just want, you know, God is with us and he can accomplish so much more. And so Lord, we just thank you, Father. I just ask Holy Spirit that your presence would just come right now and be with us, Lord God. We thank you, Father, that you're there with us. Where two or more are gathered together, you are there with us, Lord God. And so we just ask, Lord, I ask, Father, for your presence to come and just settle at another level. We thank you for the worship this morning. We thank you for your presence. And Lord, I just pray that it would start to settle, that people who haven't encountered or experienced you just yet, even now in this service, would start to experience the whisper of the Holy Spirit, Lord God. I pray, Father, that you would just blow a fresh wind into our hearts, Lord God. I pray, Father, that you would um, just reveal your ways, your will to people, Lord. Where there's confusion, I pray you'd bring clarity, Lord God. Where people need a sense of um, inspiration or um, encouragement, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, you would impart that to them tonight, Lord God. We thank you, Father, that you are more than enough, that you designed us to be connected with you, that you fulfill our deepest need, Lord God, we come and we reach out to you. You don't come here necessarily for words or worship, but we come to connect and meet with you, Lord God. And so I just pray that no one would leave this place tonight having not encountered and experienced your presence in a real and deep way. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, it's great to be here. I'm, um, so we're in this series of Together, and actually I missed last week as well because, oh, you're giving me water. Thank you. Um, because I was up in kids, you know, we had 20 kids last week from a usual 12 and it could have been like total chaos, but the kids were epic. They were so good. Like I was so impressed. These older kids were like looking after younger kids and I've heard it's not always like that, but I was very impressed and, you know, I just encourage you, if you, um, have it in your heart, jump on kids Jump on kids. It's so, I really enjoy getting to know our kids. They're such a precious part of our community, you know, and our family. I just love what these guys are doing in kids. They're really like ministering to them in like a real and legitimate way. And so don't let your kids miss out, but also jump in and be a part of it. It's, you know, yeah, I like, loved it. And one of some of the kids, I was a bit, you know, I used to do with kids all the time. And then a few kids have started to forget who I am. So I thought, no, it's time to be back in there and remind them <laughs> of who I am. I'm like, my name is Jess. My name is Jess. Say my name. Anyway. <laughs> um, but, you know, we are the church. We're in the series of Together. And Together is inspired by the word Ecclesia, which is the word that the Bible uses for church, as opposed to Kirk, which is like a building that we are actually, the word that the Bible uses for church is the Ecclesia, which means we're gathered together for purpose. Um, the purpose, key word here, purpose of the Ecclesia, as, as said by Jesus, is that we would take the gospel to the world. And so for us, the Ecclesia, those of us gathered here together for purpose, our job description, if you like, given to us by God, is to bring the gospel to our generation, to ensure that it is preached, to reach people with it. So this seems like, you know, when you think about it for half a second, an impossible task, right? You just think, well, what? hang on, how do we do that? Like, we live in such a godless society, really. It's so hard to see God, to understand God sometimes. And then do you bring it? We always 
feel fearful, we feel all of these things. Um, but the Bible says that, you know, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Like he can do the impossible through us. And I hope that this message today will actually relieve you from some of the burden as we explore what it looks like to do this together. So um, thank goodness it's not an individual task, right? So you don't have to get out your guitar and go down to Northbridge and worship God in the streets, although you can if you like, but you don't have to. It's not an individual task. It's a collective task. It's not just down to me or the leaders or the interns. Actually, we all share the responsibility. Yeah, and we're equipped for it. Acts 2, 17 to 18 says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, on men and women alike, they will prophesy. And so when you look at that, that really, that's written to another audience in an older time, but when they say even to my servants, they're saying to everyone, to everyone, no one is exempt or excluded from this. So we all carry this responsibility. We often like to talk about um, grace and the gospel in a way like here we receive grace. That's the first step. We encounter God. We hear the message of salvation. We receive that grace. And then we respond to it. Usually we get involved. We jump on a team. We grow together in dinner parties. We have this like um, response to this incredible uh, life-giving grace. But then we all carry like a responsibility. As time goes on, we start to understand that we carry a responsibility with the gospel, as we've just sort of outlined. And so that's another way we like to put it. And the key is is together. Romans 12, 4 to 5 says, just as our bodies have many parts, each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. So sometimes the church is called the body. Have you heard that? The body. The body. We're all the body. Because when we're outworking the purpose of the ecclesia, the design of it is that it's together. Like a body works together. Like when I pick up this glass of water and drink it, Mm. Oh, that's good water. <laughs> you know, my body just worked together to perform that task seamlessly. Some bits were seen, some bits are unseen, and it worked together. And that's what we are like. So it's not just coming together and being in a room. We actually come together and work together in unity for a function. So that's kind of how it works. So last week, Shafin shared, and he talked about the power of together. And I just, I just love this. We so um, don't understand or underestimate the power of just together. So he talked about an account in Genesis where God observed people who were, poor, uh, who were pursuing a wicked cause. And God said that, you know what, these people that are pursuing this wicked cause, they are united together. They speak the same language and therefore nothing will be impossible for them. What an interesting observation. And so God actually kind of, because it was a wicked cause, he just, he frustrated that by separating them and dividing them. The Bible also talks about how there's a blessing commanded when we dwell together in unity. The power of our prayers when we come together in agreement, God says like nothing will be impossible. When two or more gather together and they agree and they agree with God, nothing will be impossible for this thing. There is power in our together. So cool. At a practical level, 
you know, for us to harness the power of together, the first step is to rock up. And that's what Shafin shared um, last week. And so today we're going to unpack it a little bit more and um, sit up and that disposition of the heart is like, how do we be together? And so I'm wanting to just unpack that a little bit more. John 13, 34 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you would love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So this is a quite a startling piece of scripture, in a way, like it, this idea that if you love one another, other people will be able to see that we are disciples. That's startling. That's worth a pause. As we love one another, there's something about that love that we have together that will cause other people to know and see God. If you build on that, so this idea is built on further in 1 John 4, 11 to 12. It says, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. So building on this idea... It's like God saying here that as we love one another, God is expressed in us. So even if you can't see God, even people that don't know God, something about our together and our love bears witness to who God is, causes people to be able to experience God, encounter God, know what he's like, found somehow in our together and our love for one another. Somehow we set an example <laughs> of who God is in our together. And so, you know, like, um, you know, like, has anyone ever done like a Google review? You know, they're like, do you recommend this place? You know, do you recommend the food? Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, imagine if your Google review for church was like, um, <laughs> you know, how, how likely is this church expressing who God is? Could you tell who God was when you went to that church? You know, like, <laughs> I was just thinking, you know, um, what would that look like? Um, what does it practically mean for us to love one another in a way? Like, what does the Bible mean here? To love one another in a way that literally demonstrates and displays the glory of God to the world, to a place where we can't see God, we don't know God, so, people are so blinded, and yet there's something about the ecclesia gathered together for purpose and the way that, that we exist together, the way that we love one another, that displays the glory of God. To others. So let's go a little bit deeper again. In Matthew, we find the command from John 13, 34, also reiterated. So it says in Matthew 22, 35, Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So there it is again. I just want to give you a little bit of context just to draw something out here. The context is that Jesus was going around healing the sick and he fed a multitude of people miraculously. And through that, many people accepted him, believing him to be Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. However, there were others that rejected him. 
because they had a different view of what the Messiah would look like. They expected a king, they expected, expected someone victorious with great military power and various other expectations about who the Messiah would be. And so many rejected him. So this caused like great controversy. And so during this time, Jesus withdrew from his, with his disciples and said, like, who do you think I am? And so they recognised him as the Messiah. But as they kept talking, it became apparent that they didn't see Jesus as the Messiah as one that would suffer to accomplish this victory. They thought it would happen another way, perhaps through a great military escapade or some great miracle. I don't know how they thought it would happen, but they really rejected the idea of suffering and the thought that Jesus would die. And so Jesus began to try to teach them, and there's all this teaching that sort of comes after that section. And, you know, and ultimately, he's trying to teach them about his kingship, about the kingdom and the upside-down nature of it. Have you guys ever read Enid Blyton books? They're the topsy-turvy, faraway tree. <laughs> so I've been calling it the topsy-turvy um, kingdom. <laughs> anyway, in my head. But he says to them, you know, it's different, it's different. So in the kingdom of God, if you want to be great, you need to humble yourself and be like a little child. What? In the kingdom of God, we gain honour, gain honor, not by being served, but by serving we don't seek revenge on our enemies. Instead, we forgive and love and pray for our enemies. What? You gain true wealth by giving away your money to the poor. To follow Christ or to gain greatness in the kingdom of God is in fact to become the greatest servant. The topsy-turvy nature of the kingdom of God, it is different to the kingdom of this world. It is different to the logic of this world. And so Jesus is trying to teach them, you know, my kingdom is different, it's unexpected. The way that I do things is unexpected. And so when uh, the Jewish leaders then began to follow him and try to test him and debate with him publicly, this is where we then find this commandment to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and your neighbour as yourself. And so I guess what I just wanted to draw out from this is that Jesus really wanted to show his disciples that his kingship was different from the kingship that they used to in the world at that time. It looks different. It's unexpected. The logic of it is different to what we would automatically think. And so I just wanted to set that up as we go and look at it further because it's unexpected. The ways of God are different, they're higher than our ways and we access them by faith and we see them outwork in our life through faith and it doesn't always make sense, they're unexpected. So if we look at John 13, 34 again, it says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Um, by this you will all know that I am, you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so John wrote this book to claim, you know, or present a case, if you like, that Jesus was the Messiah. And again, we see that Jesus was performing miraculous signs. He made huge claims about himself that he was the Messiah and, you know, essentially the culmination of everything that the Jewish scriptures pointed to. And again, this created this controversy. And so here we see a little bit of a different sort of... Um, some other events that kind of create more of a picture here where Jesus actually left Jerusalem because they wanted to kill him, basically. Um, and he returned when his friend Lazarus died. So he came back to Jerusalem to raise Lazarus from the dead. But at that time, he knew when he came back in, you know, he'd done, he's, he knew he was coming back to a death sentence, essentially. 
So he then, in the last days before he was arrested, he came back and he performed the shocking act of washing his disciples' feet. So this was shocking in this culture in the sense that he was a respected rabbi, he was a leader. They would never wash the feet of their followers. This was a task meant for the most menial of servants. This is like the lowest of the low. And Jesus did this because he was like really trying to show them a concern for the meaning of true servanthood true servanthood, to really understand that there was nothing too low, there was nothing beneath his dignity to perform the most menial of tasks for another person, that servanthood, the disposition of the heart and spirit expressing itself in any generous kind of servanthood way. He was wanting his disciples to understand this. And so then a little later, Jesus picks up this same theme but expresses it in a different way, but as that commandment. And he says the new commandment is to love one another because it expresses like it presents a new standard. The love of Jesus was servant-like, selfless love that Christians are to display towards one another that would witness to the world that they're true disciples, true Christians. So loving acts of generosity are the hallmark of Christians, of Christ's followers. Just really profound. So the love that Jesus is talking about, the love that we will have for one another that causes um, others to literally see and experience and know that God is real is serving one another. It's like God's love language, you know, the five love languages books. I think it's like acts of service is this love language in the context of church. This is what he's describing this is what his example is to those around him so it's crazy to think I was just so amazed when I studied this out that in the world of such deep blindness where people are so consumed I guess with themselves um so blind really just to to any to the idea of God that that our togetherness our love for one another our serving one another is what Jesus has chosen or what God has chosen to use to actually display who he is, who he is to others. And that in that space, we can, uh, you know, not only can we experience and know God, but others can too. (laughs) Some extra music. Wasn't very moody though, was it? (laughs) Do you know, it's no wonder then that the enemy would want to divide our together. The power of together, it's so um, powerful. It's like the magic sauce. It's the secret sauce. It's the thing that God uses. The enemy wants to divide it. And, you know, I think sometimes it's easy for us to forget or not understand the power of our together. And so really we don't value it. We don't protect it as much as perhaps we would if we really were able to reflect and consider and think of the power of that together. And so the devil undoubtedly uses division to break that power. If God used it to break up a wicked plan, he just like went, you know what, I'm going to get them to speak different languages. And then boom, it was done. The devil uses, he does it in the context of relationships. And so I was thinking about this and I thought, how can we, you know how Like, I don't know if you've experienced this, but in your family sometimes I consider that in our family, 
there's different, you have different weaknesses or different things where you think if the enemy was going to try and really attack a particular side of the, me or my family, I know what that is, right? And so Shafe and I have additional, like we're additionally intentional about having a safeguard against those certain things. So, for example, Shafin's family, in his history, there's a lot of sexual immorality. And so we're like, hmm, it's <laughs> a pattern coming down the line here. So we are additionally, we have additional safeguards. We are very intentional about ensuring that is not something that comes into our family and brings destruction into our family. And I think everyone, maybe if you consider, you might never have thought that before. But, you know, sometimes there's other things. might not be that. It could be mental health stuff. It could be secrecy. It could be, it could be all range of different things that you just, you know, want to be so intentional about. And I think with the church, because the power of together is so um, important to the message of the gospel being um, put out there, that we need to be so intentional about safeguarding our together. And so I'm diverting a little bit from the whole serving thing, but I just wanted to give you three things that I would encourage you to be so intentional about to protect our together. The first one is gossip separates and divides. So just like, don't do it. Do you know, I like to think, you know, Eleanor Roosevelt said, um, great minds talk about ideas, average minds talk about events, and small minds talk about people. So, <laughs> let's be people that have great minds in this church, you know, like, and I just, sometimes when you say don't do this, then all you want to do is do it. Have you noticed that? The don't do, isn't that helpful? So, I like to think of this quote, I think, do talk about ideas, do talk about events even, do talk about your personal growth, the scriptures that are speaking to you, you know, do talk about those things, build relationships with people on those things. Have you, you know sometimes you build relationships with people on talking about other people, right? You know that can happen. It's just not great. Let's not do that. Let's build relationships, authentic, deep relationships with people based on um, these life-giving things. Um, second thing, offence separates and divides. And, you know, I was reflecting on this. I'm like, let's just be quick to forgive, quick to apologise. You know, the Bible says that uh, a gentle word turns away wrath and a harsh word stirs up anger. And I was just thinking about that. And you know when you come into community and sometimes even if nothing's actually happened, just your own insecurities, you can think, oh, maybe there's a thing there and slowly this sort of separation builds up. But when we come in and we warmly greet one another, we smile, we um, offer a kind word, those things just melt away separation. So let's just be a community that just makes sure that there's no separation divide. Let's be kind. Let's be warm, um, encouraging one another. And the third thing is just pride, I think, expresses individualism. So we withdraw from the together sometimes because we have different opinions about or preferences about preaching, about strategy, about worship, about how loud it is, how quiet it is, about this or that. We, you know, in this room, there'll be like, however many people there are, will be that many different preferences and opinions on what should be done. Don't let that separate you from one another. Because, you know, the Bible says that we should really just come together humbly, preferring other people's over your own. Whoa. Um, and it's okay to have different opinions, it's okay to have different preferences, but don't let it become something that divides and separates. 
So there you go. There's my three tips for being intentional around this particular matter. The enemy will come in and seek to separate and divide because he knows the power of our together literally manifests who God is uh, to a world that cannot see God. So um, there we go. Um, So I want to come back to serving. So I guess, you know, for us to practically love one another is this whole idea of acts of service. Um, it, it's expressing who God is. You know, for the Son of Man came to not to be served, but to serve others, to give his life as a ransom for many. When we deny ourselves and we serve others, we really are displaying who God is. So I guess I want to just talk about a couple of things that will help us with that. I think one of the best things you can do is jump on team. <laughs> Just put it out there if you're not serving. Jump on team. We'd love to have you. Because, you know, when we gather together, this is like Sundays, this service. It's one of the primary ways we gather together, but then also we do dinner parties, right? And we have these small groups. These are all our gatherings. And it's amazing, but it doesn't just happen, sadly. (laughs) Someone puts out the chairs. Look look at all of this. The worship team, what time did you get here? 1 o'clock, 12.30. They've been here for hours setting up and practicing and getting ready to serve you, to bring that phenomenal worship session. We've got the production guys setting up meticulously. People train, they learn, they come, they do stuff like it is. To to put on a simple service like this, there is many, many people. How many people do you reckon would have been serving? 47 people to put this on for you today. (laughs) So incredible. And so, you know, and it is in this place, and God says, don't, you know, church is God's idea. We come to this place, we experience God together, we experience the presence of God, we're encouraged by one another, we use our gifts to serve one another. It's awesome. It's life giving, it's upbuilding, it spurs us on to do good works. This is the place that people often encounter Jesus for the first time and come to know Him, where they receive grace. And so, you know, if you're like, oh, yeah, I'm inspired to serve, but what? Just jump on a team because this is the place that so much of that happens. I'm not saying it's the only way to do it, but it's one of the main ways. So I encourage you, jump on team. You know, there's an idea. So coming back to the topsy-turvy way of the kingdom, you know, one of the things that often prevents us from serving is the idea that we need to preserve ourselves if we're sick, if we're tired, if we're this or we're that. The idea that we can sneak into our our thinking is that to maybe even prepare ourselves to serve, we have to protect ourselves, sleep lots, rest, get myself ready to do something. You can be doing that like forever. And it's just not true. It's just not true. To prepare yourself to serve is to step out. Even a small step, like one in six weeks. Frost us, sorry. <laughs> I'm just blatantly like, yep, join, jump on team. But, you know, because do you know why um, that is so significant? From a spiritual perspective, when you step out to serve, the grace of God comes into your life to empower and enable you to do that thing. You're not on this alone. Like the supernatural grace of God, like I can tell you in Schaefer and my life, it is supernatural. We're going through between two churches in Albany and Perth and I don't know why God thought that was a good idea, but we can see the fruit of it and his supernatural grace is on us. It could have been very easy to look at that idea and go, yeah, God, no. Like what? Doesn't make sense. And yet his grace is on it. Um, And so as we step out in faith, we see that. 
And so if we can do that, I'm sure you can jump on and, and cut up carrots for the grazing table or jump on kids or, you know, whatever it is. So um, just want to encourage you. But even in the natural, I've worked in rehab for years. Even in the natural, if you're wanting to, like, do something, the way to do it is to step out and start. If you've been injured or something's happened to you, and you need to rest and recover. The season of rest is actually very limited. If you go for too long, it becomes damaging. Because we, and so just in the natural, just, just throw that in, because I'm, I'm an OT and worked in that for years. But we always say once that period of rest is over, and it's usually quite short before you go backwards, you, then you step out and go into, into it. So in the natural, in the spiritual. And this is the topsy-turvy thing about the kingdom of God. The Bible says those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. So if you need refreshing, if you need grace in your life, if you need to feel more energy, if you need to feel all of that, I encourage you to step out in faith and jump on team. And I'm not saying, you know, jump on to some, you know, huge goal. Just Join team, serve once in every three weeks, just something, and that will start to build this into your life, that flow, that grace. As you refresh others, you'll be refreshed, topsy-turvy nature of the kingdom, yes. Um, And then the other idea that I think can sneak in to our lives is, you know, it feels great to be served, right? I mean, how good is it to turn up to church and not do anything it's so nice. Jake's like, I have no idea what that feels like. <laughs> She's laughing so loud. <laughs> mm. Jake loves it, and Jake is one of our a great server in our part. I don't think he has a Sunday off. Incredible. And he loves it. He's refreshed as he refreshes others. <laughs> but it does feel great. I went to Thailand in my honeymoon with Shafin and like, Oh, they just like serve you in so it's amazing. Like it's like they anticipate your every need, and it feels so amazing. And so, and that's part of how we love one another is serving one another. So it's good to feel great when you're being served, but it becomes unhealthy if that's where it stops. Because I think what sneaks into our minds if we don't then reciprocate and become a part of that team. Why, like, we become, we justify it somehow. We either make a victim of ourselves or we, um, or we think that we are better somehow. We're justified in it because you feel great when you're served and then you start to think, well, I must be great. And when we serve, we keep our hearts in a place of humility When we serve, we grow together. When we serve, you know, the Bible says it's better to serve than to be served. I think that if we don't and we're just always experiencing the the wonderful experience of being served, I think the other thing that can sneak into church is that almost like a class difference. Like there's those people that do everything and then there's these people that don't. I don't know if you've noticed that. (laughs) and it's not healthy do you know many hands do make light work and in a church where there's many hands contributing where there's many people serving and loving one another through the generous acts of service if everyone does this together there's more than enough 
There's more than enough. And God's house is meant to be a place where there's abundance, where there's more than enough. And so as we all come together and obey God in this, you know, the Bible says, outdo one another in showing honour. Outdo one another. It should be like, no, there shouldn't be a class of people that don't serve and a class of people that do. As we all outdo one another, as we all serve, that's where it starts to work. That's where you start to see that abundance. You start to see there's so much, um, there's just everything you need. If someone needs to be prayed for, there's someone to pray for them. Our kids need looking after. There's someone to look after the kids and minister to them. We need someone to do music. We've got it. Food, everything, we've got it. Anything we want to do is possible when we all jump in. And in that, then you start to see to greater and greater and greater and greater levels the power of together and the love of Jesus, who he is, manifest to the world. It's very inspiring. I think the one last thing I'll mention around this is the Bible says that we, hang on, where is it? God has given you each a gift from his variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another, 1 Peter 4.10. And so we often, sometimes I think we think about the spiritual gifts God's given us. I mean, that's so fun, right? That God's given us gifts that we can use to serve one another. I mean, how amazing is it when someone with a prophetic gift prays for you? You're like, come on, pray for me, what have you got, you know? Or having dinner with someone who's a gift of hospitality. Oh, it's just amazing, so refreshing. There's so many different things. Someone who teaches the Word of God. It's breathtaking when you get someone with the gift of teaching um, and you hear these insights. It's incredible. So it's such a wonderful thing. But um, I think one of the things that we can um, make the mistake of as Christians is get too focused on this idea that we've got this gift and that that's all we then do. So I just want to encourage you, you know, we don't graduate from the menial. Jesus didn't. I mean, he was the saviour of the world and he washed his disciples' feet. (laughs) So we don't graduate from the menial. And in fact, the Bible has this idea that when you are faithful with the little, then you can be faithful with the great. When you're trusted with the very small, then you're trusted with more. And so there's this whole idea that God gives us gifts and we bring them freely to the table, but he also develops our character he also wants us to serve others. He wants us to be, um, be trustworthy. And so none of us really graduate um, from that. And so I just want to encourage you, you know, like, don't limit yourself to the thing that you're gifted in. Be a whole plugger, is what Schaefer has written in the notes. <laughs> be a whole plugger. Do you know, like, everyone can see the holes? It's not a special gift. I've had a lot of people telling me about holes lately. And I'm like, oh, I can see them. <laughs> you know, I can see them. So many of us can. I don't know, maybe people are more gifted in seeing holes than others. But, you know, seeing the holes isn't helpful. Plugging even one tiny little hole over here. Now that, there's power in that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know... Um, I just want to encourage you to cultivate the idea in the disposition of your heart that you're here, just here to help, just here to help. 
I just, when you're just here to help and you find yourself, I was thinking about it earlier, I was like, oh yeah, you know, as you say, I don't think I've got any particular spiritual gift. I just go around and do whatever needs to be done. But I can tell you, I think that has taken me into just about every area you could possibly serve in church. I've done it except play a musical instrument. I have even sung very briefly till I got kicked off because I can't sing. I have mixed sound very badly, also stopped. <laughs> you know, but, but being just there, here to help, ready to learn, ready to plug a hole has taken me into all kinds of places, caused me to meet all kinds of people. You know, when we planted Nations Church, I was part of that group that planted Nations Church. And I was not on the new people's team, but I was so passionate about people when they came to church for the first time that they didn't get like left hanging on their own. So awkward. And I knew what that felt like. So I used to really put go out of my way. It didn't matter if I wasn't on roster. I would go and meet new people. And I remember one day there was, I don't know what it was, some event where people were talking about how they got connected to the church. And so many people were like, oh, Jess was the first person that talked to me. And I hadn't even noticed that I was doing it, and I didn't even realise how significant that was for some people. Just by plugging holes, just by being ready to help, just here to help, God can use you to love people and to de- demonstrate who he is. And, um, you know, and then he just, he just knows. And, you know, the thing is, now Schaefer and I have the great, great privilege of leading two churches, and it's, it's astounding, I can't believe it, um, but we just started, like I just started, I remember when I joined Perth Christian Life Centre back in the day, I just turned up to a busy bee, I was like 24, and I had that Saturday free, so I rocked up to the busy bee, I was pretty new, and I think they were so shocked that someone in their 20s turned up to the busy bee, <laughs> that I attracted a bit of attention, but, um, but then from there I joined a team which was literally called Here to Help, do you remember that Emma, that? Remember the Here to Help team? We had these, like, you know, badge things. And I don't remember much about it, but the, the, the heart of it was we're just here to help. So I remember just wandering around, like, showing people where the toilets were, getting people drinks, doing all this sort of stuff. And then from there, they decided to plant a church. And I'm like, do you want me? And first they said, no, not really. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then the guy went home, talked to his wife, and she was like, oh, no, actually, she's on my Here to Help team. Maybe she'll be all right. <laughs> And so then I went, I joined this team and then we planted Nations Church and we, and they were like, you know, we planted this church. We were like, what do you want to do? We can work in with your life. You can serve as much or as little as you want. Not like that when we planted Nations. It was like, yeah, here's your roster. You don't get a say, you know, and I was on like so much stuff. I didn't even time to buy toothbrushes and stuff. I was so busy and it was a season, and it was the most fruitful, productive season. And I don't regret one second of it, even though I worked my butt off. <laughs> and I eventually got it down to, you know, more manageable. I'd been on so many teams, it really wasn't sustainable. But I got it all down. And, you know, like that, we just saw so much fruitfulness through that season. And it was just meandering, the journey of it all, you know. And then I ended up in Albany and met Schaefer. And then they needed someone to do missions. So I ended up doing missions. And then we're doing youth and young adults. And then we went over to Melbourne and we went... And I was doing young adults there as well for some reason. They thought I was a young adult even though we had three kids. They're like, can you just come put your kids on stage so that families feel welcome? I'm like, 
okay, and then we're taking them straight home to bed. <laughs> but, you know, like we just meandered through and next thing we just felt like God was like, you know, planted church and so we did. And, and I guess what I'm trying to say to you is where you start isn't where you stay forever. It isn't where you stay forever and it's insane. Like God, like when, you know, you say as the Bible says, and you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God in due time, he will lift you up. And so he knows the gifts he's given you. He knows the purpose that he has for you. He knows the plan. Sometimes all we need to do is just take that step in to say, yes, I'm going to be Christ-like. I'm going to be someone who plugs my life into the mission of the church. It's one thing just to turn up and be the ecclesia. That's awesome. That's step one. But step two is to connect your life through serving to the mission. And as you do that, the grace comes, the refreshing comes. God can like, you know, it's hard for God to direct someone standing still. But if you step forward, God can start to direct and guide you as he grows you, as he can trust you, if you can be trusted with the small things. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. So many of you are young. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't rush. Don't rush. There's time. There's time. There's time. And God will take you and guide you and lead you. So let's just stand now. I just want to to pray for you. I'm so aware that... um, When I was praying earlier for you, when I was thinking about this message, it just, it just was on my heart um, that there's just a lot of, there can be a lot of, I don't know what the right word is, condemnation or shame or pressure or something around all of this that's yucky, that's, that oh, kind of, I don't know, messes it all up. We. We get asked to serve and we react because we think, oh, they just want my time, they just want to take my time because you've obviously must have had a bad experience in the past and there's pain and hurt in your life. We want to reframe that. It's an opportunity for you. It's an opportunity for you to be a part of the together. But if there's been hurt in your life, if there's things that have happened that have messed this whole thing up for you, you know God is here to heal you, to help you to help reframe that in your mind, to help you. I think also I've had people say to me, and this was just on my mind, that they didn't feel worthy to serve. They didn't feel like they could belong. I've not experienced that, but I know people that have experienced that. The enemy puts all kinds of lies into our minds to stop us, to stop us. So I just want to pray for you. I want to pray to Lord God. I just come to you, Lord God. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are so gentle. You're so gentle. And you know our deepest thoughts. You know our heart. You know our soul better than we know ourselves, Lord God. And we know that where your spirit is, there is freedom. So, Lord, right now I come against these things that are binding people up in this area. Lord God, we come against fear, Lord. We come against fear for people that have overcommitted or experienced things in the past. 
We come against fear, Lord God, where people have been used up. They've experienced something that isn't of you in this space and in this area. Lord God, I pray for freedom, Lord. I pray for healing, Lord God. Lord, I pray for those that feel that they're not worthy, where the enemy's speaking into them, saying you're not worthy to serve, that God hasn't got a plan for you, that you don't belong. We bind those things up in Jesus' name. We declare that here there is a place for everyone, that that every person here that would step in that belongs in this place, that part of the ecclesia, gathered together for purpose, and no one misses out on that. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would just start to really bring that revelation home to people, Father. Whatever it is, whatever it is that's holding people back in their hearts, Lord God, I pray that you would bring freedom, Lord. I pray that you would bring freedom, freedom, Lord God. Oh, we know that you have first loved us. How can we truly love one another without knowing the love that you have for us? And so, Lord, I just pray that love would fill people's hearts now in Jesus' name, that there would be such a sense of infilling of love in people's hearts and let it wash away the cobwebs, let it wash away the yucky stuff from the past in this area, let it wash away feelings of condemnation when maybe they've said no, let that wash away in Jesus' name. Lord God, we pray for uh, beautiful, new, fresh streams of water. Lord, I pray that people will be able to see clearly and hear your voice clearly in this area, that where the mud and the dross has just crowded in, that that will be washed away in Jesus' name. We pray for clarity, God, and I pray, Father, even in this moment as you're clearing that away, that you would just put into people's minds that next step, that next step what it is to connect for them meaningfully into your mission and your purpose. And we thank you, Lord, that through you all things are possible and that we need not fear and that in perfect love fear is cast out. And there's a next step for every person here. Lord God, I pray, Father, in this moment you would reveal that to them. So why don't you now, church, just bring before God anything that's going on, anything that's come to your mind, anything in your heart, anything that's there. It can be such a tricky issue, all of this, if there's yucky stuff that's happened in the past. So Lord, I just pray, just bring that to God and we're going to worship God. And I want you to bring it to God and let Him, the healer, just heal you. Just bring a fresh perspective in Jesus' name.